Welcome to the Body Forward Podcast. I'm Kenzie Burke, your host, and it is here I call upon you to be moved, elevated, transformed, and ultimately propelled forward. In this episode, I sit down with Mary Spirito, also known as Ritual and Routine on Instagram. She's an intuitive healer and a master coach. This conversation is so damn good. She is such a fiery, passionate, strong woman, and I feel like our energies really match and align. I felt very connected to her the entire time she was speaking and I love everything we spoke about. I really love how bold and real she is and I think that's why I felt so connected with her because she just goes there in the beginning of this episode and that's how I like to roll too. I I love it blunt. I love it real. Let's just cut the fat and you know, get down and dirty. And we get there in this episode. We talk about Mary's experience healing psychedelic trauma. And beyond that, we talk so much about the nervous system and nervous system regulation. We talk a lot about contraction and expansion. And I've really been loving this topic lately. And I've been using it a lot in my own life and specifically specifically through the lens of finances and just learning about, you know, when we contract and when we expand open and expanding open is opening our hearts, opening our chests and contraction is contracting and putting our chests down and arching our shoulders. I've been really diving into contraction and expansion in the lens of money. Like how can I be open and how can I um, expand open versus contracting because money is a intense subject and a lot of people contract around money. But I also really loved how Mary spoke about contracting and expanding in this episode. We talked a lot about going through trauma and going through hard times and who you get to become on the other side of that. And I love being able to look at hard, tough times, traumatic times as opportunities for growth. And it was just so nice to be able to have this conversation with Mary and really inspired me to continue to use these tougher times in life to get to the next level. We talk about so much more in this episode, specifically of how to get yourself out of the muck, getting yourself through dark and morbid times, and the energy that's just in this episode is upbeat, talking about some heavy shit, and I love that. So now I'll let you dive in. Mary is phenomenal. I just want to know everything, but maybe we should start with your story, your background, because obviously to be in the work that you are in and the person you are, you've got a story. I know that. We all do. So would you start with your background a little bit and what brings you to who you are right now? My background is... (laughs) It's very interesting. Of of course, everyone's background, everyone's origin story is quite interesting. And 
I think for me, it is a longer story. So I'm going to cut it short um, and kind of bring it down to the bare bones as possible. But I originally came into this healing space out of necessity. Whenever someone asked me, how did you get into the place where you are now? I'm like, well, it was really for my own healing. I think that's the answer for a lot of people who work in healing. Why are you doing what you do now? Well, if you're going to hold space for people and if you're going to hold a presence that that can be very, very deeply compassionate, but also very deeply confronting, you have to have some motivating force that goes beyond just, this is my job. So for me, coming into the healing in the way that I do it now, I'm a multidisciplined healer, meaning that I have many different tools in my toolbox. And the reason why I have so many tools in my toolbox is because I had been through multiple contractions. And when I, I say contraction and expansion a lot, because I don't like to say, um, I don't like to refer to things that have happened in my life as with like such heavy connotation, even though at the time they were very heavy. So for me to put a term like contraction suggests that it was sticky or it was contracting me, right? But a contraction can also, in that molding experience of being contracted on, it it molds you. It changes you. It changes you foundationally as a person. So although maybe the experience of the contraction was painful, who I became after the contraction, I could provide a lot of reverence for what happened during the contraction. So I had gone through contractions uh, in childhood. So I'd gone through sexual trauma growing up, sexual trauma in college, had been through physical assault, um, abuse. I had a really bad eating disorder. I had dealt with debilitating digestive issues, had touched feelings of suicide, suicidal ideation, really bad anxiety, had really been all over the map. And I would say that there was one core theme that brought all this together was that from the beginning moments of my life, because I had one of my first memories was going through sexual assault, I never felt like I was safe in my being. I never felt like a sovereign being. And I also didn't feel like I could trust people. So it was really hard because I think from the beginning I don't have any reference. I didn't have any reference point to truly understand what it felt like for me to feel safe and sovereign in my body and in my life. So in order to deal with that, I masked. I tried really hard to reconcile the circumstances just by pretending like they never happened. At that time when I'd first encountered the first sexual assault, I, I didn't know I didn't have the infrastructure because you're a kid. You don't really know what's going on. I'm really starting this one off with a bang, right? I love right it. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a frame of reference for what was happening, but I knew that what had happened was bad. So for me, I decided just to push it down, squash it down. And then when it happened again and again in the later years of my life, I can no longer squash it down. And so that's when the eating disorder started. That's when the digestive stuff started. When you don't, when you're not digesting the contractions that happen in your life, then you're not going to be able to digest in general, right? It's going to, it's going to. That's when your digestion goes. I mean, I think, yeah, 
Yeah. Whenever my digestion's off, I'm like, oh, there's there's something big in my life that I am not processing because your body, there's no flow. There's nowhere for it to go through. Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's so beautiful to have that awareness too, to see where the different physical places in the body, how they correspond to what's happening in our life, how intelligent the design of the body really is. So the digestive issues, the eating disorder, I mean, I felt out of control in my life. So what did, what did I do? I was controlling my body. I was controlling my food all in an effort to get myself to be a size so that I could feel like I was worthy of being safe, of being loved, of being accepted. So I got to a point in my journey outside of college where I was so debilitated by the weight of the traumas that had opened up over the course of my life that I'd gone to a point where I was like, okay, I mean, they're going to end it or I'm going to figure this out. And the initiation of figuring this out was yoga teacher training. So how old were you? Just um, 21. Okay. So you're aware, you're young and aware. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think also throughout college, I was pursuing medicine. So I knew I wanted to be in healing of some sort, but I always thought, well, if you go into healing, you, you become a doctor. And then when it came time to go to medical school, I was like, no, I really don't want to do this. Um, so I pursued research instead. So I worked in neuroscience research and then I worked in cancer research. At the same time, which everything, it's so interesting now how like my science background really has helped me immensely in the work that I do now. But alongside that track was then becoming a yoga teacher because I realized I'd, I'd been, I knew my patterns, beliefs, and behaviors. I knew what was wrong. Like I have really good pattern recognition. I recognize that the disordered eating was related to the control aspects because I felt out of control because what, have hap- what had happened in my life, but I didn't feel better. It was all intellectualized. So to bring it into the body and actually play it out in the body and understand that, that was a huge leap in favor of my opening and my integration. And so then I go along this path of just honestly trying on different modalities, breath work, uh, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, emotional freedom technique, plant medicines. I mean, I've worked with it all. And all of that is all well and good to be able to have this massive toolkit of like 15 modalities of healing is freaking great. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is how present can you be? Can you not be professionally warm, but can you be genuinely warm? And genuinely warm means that you are showing yourself in each moment. You're allowing your clients, you're allowing everyone, any anyone that you're stepping in to a space with to truly see who you are. And that requires a lot of awareness, a lot of, of reconciling any places where you feel in lack limitation and separation of unworthy of sharing that space or unworthy of having your truth held and seen so that you can be fully there with that person so that everything else in the now moment is, is finding spaciousness is creating room so that the depth that I'm able to hold with someone is great. And in that moment, it's not that I'm the medicine or that my authority is the medicine. It's the space. It's the presence. That's the medicine. And giving it a moment to be there. Exactly. Yeah. I really 
really resonate with that in itself because there's so many amazing tools like the breath work and the plant medicine and all these things that, again, they've assisted me too. And I love them for certain times, but the, the biggest breakthroughs and those moments where you can really get to the core is when it's you in space with you being held by another person, facilitated or just with yourself. And it's just phenomenal what is there when you go deep enough to find her and that. Yeah. And to hold, to hold the intimacy of being able to look yourself in your pupils and see that all of what we believe that we are, the illusion that we've created for ourselves is simply that. And at any point in time, we can timeline jump into a different version of ourselves and we can expand into more of what we are. It's just, it's, it's what do we desire to be in that moment? How, what is the most authentically expressed us that can show up in that moment? Yeah. And where did we lose sight of our course and our track? I've been doing a lot of this work lately, especially since I just moved here with someone very wonderful. And, you know, we keep getting back to the age of 14. And then when I'm in the womb and being able to visit her, right, and find that moment where, oh, that's where everything shifted for me. And that's where I've now been choosing, you know, these things have recycled or or I've felt these same ways. Um and being able to see her and choose a different story and forgive her for not knowing that that was that was happening and you know we all get into survival mechanisms and survival mode and i think so much of what you're saying too with your story something happens to us for us it happens to everybody and then our trauma response to that ends up being a huge pattern for then what we attract, how we operate, what we view as safe, and just being able to undo that and find that point and realize it's a story that we get to choose is incredible. And I, I'm just so grateful that we're having this conversation and you're even going there because this is so present in my life as well. And I think for anyone listening, it's just so important to know that how much how much power we all have within us and how we are in the driver's seat at the end of the day. And there's so many tools and modalities which are amazing, but you really got to be able to be with you and find those cores. Totally. Be with you. And that's such an interesting idea, right? The the witness. And I love I love that we're having this band. And I because I find myself also being wanting to be curious about what's alive for you with that, if that's a... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Let's just go back and forth. I'm yeah. Here for I, hear, I would love to hear what's been alive for you with that specific mentality because I've been grappling over the past... And this is just my mind. I have a very existential mind of like of this idea of the game. So of the witness consciousness and the player consciousness. And so you speaking to your recent move you're, you're, you've created a lot of shifts. You've entered into your Saturn return. You're going into this, you have arrived in Austin. You're now like rooting down. How is that alive for you? I mean, I am really stepping, locking into and letting go with love of it's, it's really a feeling that continues to play out a reality in my life. And I've had this kind of 
where I, I can blame my exterior for my results, right? And I can I can want people to give me a chance and I can think that the world is against me. And this is this started really when I was 14, this whole mm-hmm. like people are against me, the world is against me. Um, and so it created this huge, I mean, I got my period at 14 and my I just like my feminine went out the door. I was like, I don't, I I just remember breaking up with her fully and creating this just very strong exterior, this kind of masculine, I've got it. Um, but with a lot of pain and I've been tracing it back lineage and lineage from lineages and, and what I've been holding with that. But I've kind of lived in this duality in my life where I know what's possible and I know who I am and I'm holding on to constraints and beliefs from before me. And so it creates this like friction and this frustration. And again, just bringing it back to when I was 14 and really letting go of my feminine, creating this exterior and starting to embody this, you know, the world is against me. And then being in this like horrific relationship in high school that was just so toxic and so hurtful and so upsetting. And then that, you know, not working out and then moving to LA and putting myself through that on my own, just like disassociating from everyone, being alone in LA, having to make money, having to do it. And, um, you know, and just internalizing it all, not embodying my feminine, not being in my body, in my life. Right. And so it created this kind of life that didn't feel joyful. It created this life that a lot of my relationships have been trauma response kind of relationships um, that mirror some family relationships I have and that mirror that pain point of um, you'll give me a chance. So I'll attach myself to you right? But not trusting myself, like not giving myself a chance and believing in myself because I'm very powerful and very capable. And when I hand that power over to someone, it always ends in a very disruptive and kind of traumatic way that really mirrors that first relationship I had that also mirrors a family relationship I have. So anyways, so winded and long way of saying that there is this cycle that I have really been getting to the core of and finding where it started, when it started, those trauma responses, what I've been attracting from it. And, you know, you go into wanting to unbox some of this stuff. And at first what comes out is I just want people to give me a chance. I need this this thing to give me a chance. I need to, you know, and then it just, it comes down to, I need to give myself a chance. I need to invite that soft feminine person into the room. I need to welcome her. I need to be with her. And I need to give myself a chance because I've created a lot in my life kind of with half believing in myself and created a pretty extraordinary result for that. Um, and so right now this move to Austin, I mean, what really came crashing is a relationship that, that was mirroring this pattern, hardcore, um, biggest it's ever happened. And I was faced with this move of, and and I knew I had to move, but faced of like, am I going to step forward and really unbox and get to the core of this and find it within myself? Or am I going to move, which I did, 
and entertain that, right? And which would not be in my self-worth. That would be overextending myself, giving myself partaking in the same exact pattern because these relationships are very draining. It's a very big power play type of energy where I kind of give everything over, you know, and then I'm malnourishing myself at the end, um, which is keeping me away from what I want in life and who I want to be and the connection I want to have with myself. So just in the past month, this, this summer was insane for me. And then in the past month, it's been rewiring my brain, rewiring that programming and taking different actions. You know, when you're, you, um, when those same things are happening and it's hitting the same spots in your nervous system, you want to react in the same way. So it's been a lot of pausing and really finding her, you know, me deep, deep, deep within and choosing what she wants for me and not the trauma response that I've been playing out. So it's been a lot of brain rewiring and nervous system rewiring for me right now. Ooh. Oh my God. I mean, there's so much here. The fact <laughs> like the, what, what was really getting me is this like, uh, like the world giving you a chance, like, mm -hmm. and really fighting for feeling like, okay, in order to be chosen by the world or to be chosen in business or in relationship or whatever it might be, the abandonment of the feminine to come into the masculine and the fact that you are on this, have been on this journey of reclamation, of alchemization, to reclaiming the feminine, to sitting back and choosing that version of you. So what does it look like right now to rewire your nervous system and to be in that reclamation of the feminine? To dismantle those patterns. Oh, so, yeah. I've been doing so much healing. It's really, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I, if I work, I, you get it. But when you have your own business, it's very, you, you, you're kind of always on the cusp of something. You're working, you're moving kind of things forward. And just in the past few weeks, and that's how I've really just gone forward with everything. And in the past couple of weeks, I've just been like, I, all I've been wanting to do is really um, unpack this, go to yoga, be in my body, uh, meditate, but in ways that I've never done before. Like, like just in such more of a nurturing kind of serious curiosity way, not in a way of um, – I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. It's really me saying I am here to rewire right now. So I want to give the space. So I've been going to like somatic yoga, not just like a yoga class, but I've been, you know, letting my body shake, letting, I've been, I went to dance class the other night. I went to a rhythm circle with other women, like really just getting curious in my body um, and just being there for her and very aware. So like I said, there's been this situation going on in my life um, with someone and with some work stuff and just not being super reactive, pausing in between how, you know, I'm going to transition this. Um, that's been really big, like giving breathing space, not being super in my masculine, like, ah, I'm going to shut down, I'm going to do this. And and even with work, like it's, you know, I'm I'm such a creator, so I'm always creating something and I've been really honoring the, my space. And that's something that's a huge shift for me is I will create and I will force 
So I did something with my clothing line this summer. I put a collection out that I didn't really want to do. And I was, I didn't want to do it. It was not my brand. It was not my identity. It was not, didn't come from me. And I had raging anxiety all summer. I mean, crippling. I've never experienced it before. And I was so in it with some other things going on that I couldn't see why. But when I got to Austin and I was able to zoom out, I, I just felt like I'm reclaiming my power. Like no long, so long go the days where someone's going to tell me what's going to work for my clothing line or, and this is, I'm owning this. This is me. I do this. You know, someone tells me, you need this for your website. You should do this. Sweatpants sell better. Don't do this. This isn't going to work. This is expensive. You know, and I, I will listen to people and get so far from my core, my center. And then I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to sell this. I don't want to put my name on it. I have anxiety. So a huge thing that I've been doing is pausing with um, just throwing stuff out there and making a promise to myself that I'm not doing that anymore. I'm really going to connect, create, and put out what feels true for me. And that's been part of taking my power back and choosing myself and not the world, right? Because I'm doing these things to some degree because I want people to choose me. So if someone tells me that sweatpants are going to sell better than the dress I want to make, then I'm letting them choose me. I'm not choosing myself. And so my big thing right now is these just giving myself space to kind of heal with curiosity. Like I said, somatic yoga, breathing, inviting her in, connecting to when I lost her at 14 and saying, you can come in, it's safe and being with her. But then also taking my fucking power back. Mm. And cutting ties with things and really saying, that's not me. I do not want to do that. And owning my power in that way, which I think is that beautiful masculine energy that I, I really do embody, but I haven't been channeling it in for her. And so I'm learning how to channel that kind of lion him, you know, or tie like that for her so that she can express. So it's been this huge transition of how I'm going to work how I'm going to be, and all of that. It's so long, such a long way of saying what I'm doing. <laughs> no, it's freaking awesome. And I, I love that. I think something that's so rad about you is that you have this radical transparency that allows us to really see you and feel you. And to be able, I mean, yeah, the intentionality of going to, yes, you're going to a yoga class, but the intention of I'm here to work. I'm here to to be, to expand an awareness and to be fully present and to the transition that I'm going through to that spaciousness, that pause. Oh my God. That pause is somehow both the easiest and the hardest thing to do to take a beat, to back it up and be like, okay, what do I actually need when it comes to response here? How do I need to digest this? How do I need to process this? And then to be in that, even when I'm not feeling chosen to continue to choose me and to trust that if I'm choosing myself, that the universe will respond. Yeah. By choosing yeah. me back. Yeah. Right. And that's the the biggest thing of my life right now, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's standing on the ledge. I'm going to tr totally trust. And even with myself and even with my, the things I put out there, just really trusting that, oh, it's everything that needs to drop in is going to drop in when it needs to. And I am not going to push past my nervous system anymore. Not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And that, that has been what has gotten me 
into this pattern is trauma response. So I push myself, I push my masculine, I push and I execute, execute, execute. And that's not who I even want to be as a creator anymore. It's not who I want to be as a woman, as a lover, as a mother. You know, I really want that balance and harmony. So this has just been such a time in my life where I've really put my foot down with myself and I'm making deep, deep, deep changes for me and and no one else. And yeah, finding a lot of comfort in myself more so than with other people, which is really good. Mm. What are you believing in order to be able to take those types of actions? Because that's pretty, it's, you sounds like you're doing a lot of foundational changes where you're, you had to go through, you did an inventory of, it sounds like people in your life and also family going through an inventory of your relationship with your business, going through your relationship with the place that you were living. And then to look at all of that and ground in and make changes so that you can really invite in the reconnection of you with you, with you fully, and also owning the places where you may be fractured some integrity with yourself, not on purpose, right? But in order to be in acceptance or love, yeah. What what have you been believing? Like what helps you? What are the what are the beliefs or what are the, like the fundamental things that you stand by that help you to take these actions? You know, it kind of goes to what you were saying, but sometimes you just have no other choice. You know? And I got to that place. I got to that place where I had no other choice. And when you get to that place in your life, and I'm sure everybody reaches it at some point, and you're like licking the ground on your knees, you know, and you don't know how you're going to do it. You don't know how you're going to get through the next day, you know, or like even if you want to. Those are dark, morbid thoughts, and I had them, and I had never had them in that way. And it just, it was, it, there was no, there's no choice. I, I never want to feel that again. I never want to be there again. And that, that's everything to me. It's, I just, I can't, I don't want that. I do not want that. And I don't think I need to live like that. I don't think you need to live like that. I don't think anyone needs to live like that. I think that, you know, those moments come and you never forget those moments in your life. And that, that was enough for me to just, I got to do this. I got to make these changes and these shifts. Mm. Thank you, pain teacher, for showing me my mind virus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank wow. you so much. Radical. Amazing. And to be like, and you can feel in your voice and the texture of the way that you're delivering this, like how you've been through this. I mean, this is like <laughs> typical of, of, of everyone, but like to be consistently going through these initiations and to be in an initiation that's like super alive where you're in it and you're creating those changes and you're doing what you have to do in order to be fully present with your wants, needs, and desires. And, and I know it seems like with you, you iterate super fast. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, my friend who's an astrologer, he's like, you are an A plus student because I will take, I mean, and that's something I love about myself. Mm. I, I'm, I'm here for this journey. 
and some of us are, I call us the chosen ones, you know, we're just born and we're here for it. I am always going through an initiation. And the thing I've learned is once I went through a very big initiation and I dropped everything, I dropped the career, I dropped the, you know, and then I had to rebuild for a year. And that was enough to be like, Hey, you go through initiations all the time. You got to also learn how to still make money, still not drop everything. You can't just like leave your house for a year, which I did, you know. I really had to and am learning how to be in an initiation and be able to show up to the ability that I can. And then when I'm through that initiation, I can show up on that next level. And um, But I always am like, I will learn before it happens, you know. I know I know something that's going to happen before it happens and I'm already integrating the lesson. So I'm here for it. I mean, and that's part of why I'm here. And I am really learning and have learned how to accept that because I was born and I was just like initiation, initiation. initiation. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Do you it's feel like the same the way? Works. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, I think that's really the only way that you can reconcile going through the initiation is the why. Because at certain some t- certain points, you're like, this is kind of ridiculous. What's happening here? This is both two things. This game of life that we're playing is fucking awesome. It's brilliant. Super cool. It's technicolor. And at times I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. How is this possible that I'm going through this set of circumstances? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's a fantastic adventure. It makes a great novel. But it's interesting, you know? And then of course we get in the comparison game sometimes where I'm looking around, I'm like, huh? But then to be able to step back and see it from the witness consciousness and to be able to, to say, okay, all of this is happening for me. Maybe it's happening in a catalytic way because that's the path. That's the path that's chosen that we chose for ourselves, that you chose for yourself, that I chose for myself is to go through these rapid initiations, to be rapidly expanded, to acquire wisdom that maybe a the level of a 30, 20 something, you know, I feel like when you live many lives within one in a very small period of time, it's this interesting, like, I feel both very playful in this game of life. And also I feel like I have downloaded lots of wisdom because of all the different initiations I've been through that I'm so grateful for, even if while I'm in it, I'm like, this is what is this? This is intense. Yeah. And when you, kind, when you come out on the other side and you see who you become through that one, I mean, I live a life where I look back three months ago, or I listen to something or I see a photo of me. I'm like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. I feel so different from that moment. But it can also really help when you start to get gain that perspective because I would say the initiation I went through this summer was the most brutal I have ever gone through, but not many people knew. Mm. You know, I would see a friend, they'd be like, oh, really? But you're you're crushing it on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, I just have an unwavering strength that, you know, from all the initiations that I've gone through where I can do both. I'm not, you know, I'm hurting, but I can do both. And I think the more you go through those initiations, the more at the same time, half your brain can be like, it's not that serious because, you know, this is just life and we get through it. And it helps each time that I go through it. I I know that, okay, it's going to pass just like everything does. And the sun's spinning and the plants are spinning and it's just, it ebbs and it flows. (laughs) 
Yeah. And to feel that witness of, okay, this is just a part of it. This is a part of the game. It's an interesting part of the game that I'm experiencing right now of my life. And it's teaching me something. And thank you for teaching me something. And although interesting and sometimes painful, the pain is really beautiful as well. To be expanded, to be cracked open so that you can hold more is such a blessing, even though in the process it can feel difficult. Right. And it's being able to, to find more tolerance and to be able, I, I love what you're saying about still being able to be in the world of the world while being through it. And I think that also takes a level of ownership, a level of, yeah. of transparency to be able to say like, okay, um, I recognize that this is something that I'm going through right now. And I'm, st- I'm not going to retract from the world, which I have a really hard time with. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And sometimes though, you know, especially with work and stuff, your survival, you can't, you have to, you have to still show up. And something that has really helped me is just making two buckets of like, okay, I'm going to show up to the level that I can. I'm going to show up. I'm going to keep this part private right now, you know, and I'm going to show up from a point that I can, that I've kind of got down, that I feel confident in, that I can do. And then when I'm through this part, I will show up on that level. And look, everything is energy, right? So when you're actually like down in the dumps and really struggling, you're not flowing with creative ideas. Your stuff's not, you know, juicy because everything's energy. And I acknowledge that, you know, I'm really aware of that and those patterns. But I also, I also have, you know, it's, 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 I think there's so much beauty in being able to take a break and being able to go away, you know? But I think there's also a lot of beauty in giving yourself that foundation and that baseline as well and showing up for what you need to show up for. Because if you are already going through the washing machine, or as I called it this summer, the blender, you're going through the blender, (laughs) and then you're like not able to be even in your work or your life, right? I think that it just starts to create a lot of chaos in your nervous system. So really learning how to, how can I container this, create space for myself and still be somewhat in the world so that when the blender stops blending, you don't come out and you're just like, oh shit, which I've done before. Literally, I I threw, during COVID, I got rid of everything and then I got through it, the initiation and I was like, oh, I'm back. Oh my God, I got rid of everything. Why did I do that? So that was enough for me to know I will never do that again. It's so interesting. It's like the dance between, okay, the seasonality, which you're also saying has, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And also compart- compartmentalizing. It sounds interesting, but to be able to say, I'm going to be of the world and I'm also going to create the space intentionally so that I'm being able to hold both. Yeah. Have you had recently a very pivotal moment in your life or time in your life? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Millions, and it's, but- it's so wild. Yeah, I have it this summer as well was also so interesting, but it was the first time that I had a, a very pivotal moment, uh, without the initiation of a big trauma. So I just got out of the most intense burnout that I've ever experienced in my life. I took a sabbatical of around two months and about like two years ago, so November of 2021, I went through this, I was 
uh, working a lot in the medicine space and I was working with Bufo and I, which is 5-MeO-DMT, a toad venom. And I had this psychedelic trauma and is we can go into before, that if you want. Yes. Yes. So is this before you got into the work you're doing now? No, oh. I had, I have been, I had been in the healing space for like seven years when that happened. I was already deeply entrenched in my work in healing. Oh wow. When that happened. Yeah. Like I had had like Literally right after that happened, I threw the biggest retreat of my career. Whoa. So it okay, was. Can you, can you go into this story? Totally. Which doesn't. Yeah. Let's go into this story. I was like, the burnout is like its own entity. But this story is, is I feel like the, this initiation that I've been writing over the past two years, the, in the most interesting part about being in this space which I think when you accept that you are an agent of the universe, which is what I think you are as a healer, like I'm not really healing anybody. I'm just a tuning fork. And my life becomes the template for the work that I'm doing. So I feel like I I accept a set of circumstance that I go through that then helps me to expand, to crack open with each little, and it can be something really small. It doesn't have to be something massive, but each time I'm cracking open to hold more, I'm gaining some sort of space or I'm gaining some sort of tool or tuning forks that I can allow it to be a blueprint for someone else. So, okay, this story, what happened with the psychedelic trauma, I was already working with, uh, as a trauma healer and coach, uh, for a number of years, I had programs. I it's, it's like basically what I'm doing now. Um, but I was very heavily involved in the medicine world. I was working a lot with ayahuasca and then I started to work with Bufo. And for those of you all who don't know, Bufo is, as I said before, it's 5-MeO-DMT. It's a toad venom that you work with in ceremony. And it is one of the most strong psychedelics that exist. DMT in itself is a really strong, uh, a really strong tryptamine. So to, um, I'm like, where do I even start with this thing? So my first experiences of working with Bufo were really amazing. I would work with, with it in a ceremonial setting. I really adore and still do adore the person who I worked with, who is a really incredible medicine woman. Um, and the circumstance, I think sometimes we're very quick to blame people in circumstance when things go awry, but she was a very beautiful medicine holder. And my first few experiences with Bufo were really amazing. What's really interesting about this medicine is how quick it works and how quick you're out of it. So truly, you go into the ceremony, they give you the, the toad venom, which you smoke, so they, they, it's crystallized. They put it in a pipe. You do a prayer. It's all, of course, everything that I'm saying is done in a very intentional ceremonial setting. And then within moments of smoking it, one, two, three, you're, you're everything and nothing at the same time. Whoa. Your body ceases to exist. And it can be a very beautiful entry for some, or it can be really difficult entry where you're fighting against this ego death because that's what it's simulating. It's simulating death. It provides this ego death. So you 
you can either backdoor the ego death if you feel really comfortable allowing and accepting it, which sometimes is going to come organically and sometimes it's going to be quite difficult. Or the ego death is there and it's something that you grapple with is this feeling of your humanity, your that that finite aspect of our game, the ultimate end of our game to feel that and touch that and experience that. I mean, that brings you into a level of self that is unknowable until you experience it. And the beautiful thing about Bufo is that it takes that default mode network. So just getting to some of the, like the more scientific part of it, it takes that default mode network of your brain, which is responsible for your fight and flight response, which is responsible for, um, yeah, that fight and flight response that sometimes gets out of control with anxiety and depression. I won't say out of control is probably not the best words, but sometimes it creates contraction where there could be more ease. So to be able to have that taken offline, it's like rebooting the computer. And it gives you this really beautiful lens shift of your reality. So you go through the computer reboot with the ego death. And then within 30 minutes, that's for one dose, you come back into your reality with this euphoric, loving oneness. A lot of people call it the God molecule because it can feel like you're meeting God, that you're, that you're tasting what it feels like to be so deeply connected to yourself to the universe, to all that is. So (laughs) my first experiences were incredible. And then I went through an experience where I was wanting to participate with this medicine in a different way, where we were looking at what it would look like for me to start serving this medicine. And we decided that I would go on, I would do multiple doses in a row. So to really have a a deep, extensive journey, which to do multiple doses in a row isn't really, and I don't want to say like typical or not typical because I think it's just really dependent on the person, your tolerance, your nervous system, the architecture of your foundation, whether you have a very sturdy, it's like, have you loosened the roots in your experience? Do you have a meditation practice? Do you have a journaling practice? Do you have something for self-inquiry? Which I have all of those that I practice. And this is my job. So it's something that I would say that my foundation, I thought, was something that was very malleable to touching different planes of my reality and to testing my experience. So we did multiple doses in a row so that I was down for around an hour and a half to two hours. So what that would look like would be, I took my first dose. And then when I started to come back into consciousness, I would take another dose and go back in and then another dose and go back in. So by the time I came out, I had had a very long journey that was transformative. Was it stretchy? Absolutely. But it wasn't anything that I wasn't used to integrating. So I thought, okay, it's going to be this is going to be a big one to integrate, but it's going to be fine. The, the thing about this medicine, though, is that it can reactivate. When your brain goes into theta wavelength, which you occupy when you're in meditation or when you're going to sleep, it can reactivate this medicine so that it feels like you're in a journey again. So what happened with me is that for seven days after, it wasn't even the journey itself that created the 
the contraction for me. It was that seven nights afterwards, when I put my head on the pillow, I would go back into a journey. And at first I was like, look at me. I'm doing the work. I'm doing so well. I am, I am, I'm holding space for this. It's, you know, it's, it's funny how like the medicine space can sometimes a more is more not saying all of it again, never having a sweeping generalization of things, but it is in some sense, it's celebrated to, to push on those, to push on those places because sometimes it, it really can, it really does invite more expansion in your life if properly integrated and if your nervous system can truly mm-hmm. help it. So for me, where this started to go awry is that my nervous system wasn't rebounding, is that I was having ego death upon ego death every night. And, and your then nervous around- system was going into shock. Yeah, I was going to shock. My nervous system was like, okay, at what point are we going to get sleep? Yeah. So then around the seventh night, I, I'd already been texting with my practitioner and it was, we had decided that I was going to lean into it and I was going to hold it because I felt up for it. This was a choice that I decided to make. But around the seventh night, I was like, yo, I can't do this anymore. How I like, if I reactivate again, it's, it, it's really going to create damage. Little did I know there had already been damage that was done. So I took GABA in order to help to move it myself out of journeying when I was trying to go to sleep. And it changed the texture so that now I was experiencing really wild dreams that were sometimes represented in night terrors. At that point, my body had already registered that going to sleep meant that I was going to die. So what did my body do? My body was trying to protect me. It said when Mary goes to sleep, she's experiencing these deaths. So about two weeks after the fact, and that was also something that's so interesting about what happened, is that it wasn't immediate. It was two weeks after the fact that I then started to experience panic attacks before I was going to sleep. And it synced so so well in that when the sun would start going down, my chest would start tightening. And then when it was time to go to bed, I would start having panic attacks. And I'm like, what is going on? Because well, I was it's a pattern too. And you're having trauma response pattern because that can still happen even when you're out of something, but your chest would tighten, you know? So you wake up and your chest is like, oh, tighten because you woke up, but you're fine. Exactly. It's crazy. So how do you reconcile that? How yeah. do you reconcile that stimuli? So it was it was difficult because I, I saw, okay, I'm having panic attacks. I don't know why. I'm not experiencing psychosis. I actually am feeling great during the day, I'm feeling happy, but there's a separation. There's a separation between what my conscious and cognitive mind is experiencing and what my body experienced. And what my body experienced was that it went through a traumatic experience and that it had to take the reins in order to keep me alive. And the way and its way of doing that was panic attacks. And then eventually PTSD started to come in where if you were straw breathing around me or spot, like if I was listening to medicine music, it would all reactivate this response in my body that would bring me into fight and flight and bring me into panic. So when I started to see that happening, I knew that I had to get ahead of it. I knew that this was going to be a baked in problem that I was going to have if I didn't start really chipping away at it immediately. And every part of my toolkit, I have at, at that point too, the toolkit was very developed, but I was still trying to use my mind, my will, my conscious 
cognitive power and, and to use those tools to move my body into a state where it felt safe again, but I didn't have the appropriate tools to be able to do that to completion. I was able to chip away at it in some regard with the emotional freedom technique, with the NLP, et cetera, with processing and integrating it with the resources that I had, but I really needed to talk to my body. So yeah. So it, 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 it like really allowed me an opportunity to to work with my body on a level where I was speaking the body's language instead of trying to, to use the mind to speak, to, to communicate with the body. So using applied neurology, um, really diving deep into a more flushed out understanding of somatics and the nervous system. Yeah, that I just, I've been diving, like I said, I've been not just going to yoga, but somatic yoga. And that has just been mind-blowing to me. And we just spoke about this a little bit before because I've been doing the same thing. It's like, I got to remove the mind and tune into the body. Where is this coming from? Where is it in the body? And where, and it is just so powerful when you are putting yourself in an experience like that, where it starts to literally come out. I mean, my body was uncontrollably shaking the other night. And I just was so, I was welcoming it. I was like, get out of me. And something that I just really felt called to say right now that the practitioner I was working with the other night said, she brought up how, you know, when we, um, when you, you bring like a dog or a cat in the car, right? And you're taking them to the vet and they start uncontrollably shaking. As mammals, we're supposed to, un, we're supposed to do that. It's getting the trauma response and the anxiety out of us immediately, but we've taught ourselves to not let it out, right? And so it manifests. Anyways, I just thought that was so fascinating when you said using the body and getting it out of the body because that's just been such a aha moment for me since she said it the other night and then I experienced it because as I experienced it, I literally felt that trauma leaving my body. And mm. just even what you said about the the chest tightening at a certain time, I was really dealing with that this summer too. And it was crazy because I'd just be having a totally normal fine day. And the second the clock struck a time, it was it and then it turned into this war and this darkness. Like I don't want, I don't want this, I don't want it to get dark. I don't want to have to go to bed. I don't want to do it. Um you know, but it's, and it's, again, it's, we are safe, we are fine, but there's something in our bodies that's triggering that. So anyways, just had to reflect back to you. <laughs> Keep yeah, no, that's, that's so beautiful too, that you, that you identify with this experience and that this resonates with you. And that's so true. Like the conditioning that exists here and the disconnect between our minds and our bodies. We are not, I mean, we, we view ourselves, especially in this modern society as this like neck up job when that's not the case. Yeah. We have these beautiful vehicles, like what you said, that are, that are very intelligent in processes for purging energy, like shaking, shaking, movement, vocal toning. Isn't it yeah. interesting that when we're angry, we want to make a sound. When we're sad, we want to make a sound. When we're happy, think about how funny laughter is. Yeah. That we just make these like weird, loud sounds when something really feels yummy for us. Like it's, it's amazing. It's all purging. It's all transmutation of energy. And we're not using it enough. I went to a rhythm circle the other night with 20, 30 other women. 
where for four hours we sang, we danced, we made noises. It wasn't, I mean, we made primal noises and I felt for days after that, like I had one of the biggest releases of my life and I wasn't, you know, sitting or doing plant medicine or doing something where I'm like, I'm going to, you know, transform myself. I just went, I signed up, I wanted to do it. And it was so powerful. And again, we need to use our bodies, our voices and, you know, trauma, anxiety, all of that is just unprocessed emotions stuck in our bodies. And to be able to do that in... I like how you're pointing out that the container wasn't necessarily this container that was designed for trauma release, but because in community you've created safety and you were using sound and you were using all of these things that we've had when we were living in a different, in a more, I would say like village type society that we'd been living in up until the industrial revolution really. To be able to invite that back in, knowing that you can have these releases, you can have these, you can have a transmutation, you can have an alchemization. Well, I'm using all these big words, but you can have healing at any time. At any yeah. time, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be. They're all containers. Even just sitting with a friend and laughing your ass off is some of the best medicine and some of the best release. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Yes. So That's that amazing. was my like. I would say, given all that had happened in my life, up in, you know, I, I thought that I had, I had arrived at a point. It's so funny how we think that we have some sort of. <laughs> I've I'm given like, up. Oh, I've that. done it. <laughs> yeah. I've done the trauma stuff, check and check. And then when this happened, I was like, oh my God, what is going on? And how that brought me to my knees and this foundation that I thought was so sturdy. I was like, my business is good. My relationship is good. No. It, it, in a way, are you in a relationship that, now? I'm not. No. Did that change your relationship coming out of it? Hundred percent. Yeah. Because you because changed. it totally changed my lens yeah. on life. I was like, life. It, it, life felt very delicate, and that really scared me. My views on death. My views on the the delicacy of life. Life is so interesting in that it it is both so durable. And then when you remember our humanity, it it can kind of, it brings in this existential angst that I really had to work with and understand and digest. Um, But it cracked everything open for me. It really, it shifted how I went around my business. It shifted my friendships and my relationships. It fundamentally changed my views. It really changed me as a person. So I can't help but to think it's so interesting. Like hindsight is 2020 because I, when I went into that ceremony, I felt great. Mm-hmm. When I went to that ceremony, it was crack me open so I can hold more. That was my intention. Mm. And you got exactly that. I got, I mean, like what, like over the knee cracked open. And then now to see that everything that I learned through that experience allowed me to be not only in even more alignment with myself and what I actually truly want with my life, like it gave me so much more clarity, but it also gave me templates to to deepen my work as a steward in this world. As a so coming kid. not out of it, but out of it, right? What did that look like? And how long was this process? So I had my last panic attack 
June of 2022. So November 2021 is when it happened. Okay. Panic attack started two weeks later. And it was then, it was was a really intense process. It, It went in two waves. So I was able to get to a pretty good point with my toolkit on my own just by taking all stimuli out. I'm very, I'm very grateful in that I had a very beautiful understanding of the nervous system at that point because I'd worked in neuroscience. Like I had this whole biochemistry background to understand, okay, this is what's happening with my nervous system. I need to take out the stimuli. I need to take out uh, music. I need to take out, I need to really be, have these boundaries up around who I'm communing with. I need to stop work. So I did all of that. I nurtured my nervous system. I got as much sleep as possible. Um, I did all of these things to to help myself along. But I, I was afraid that I had created some chemical damage because of how strong my reaction was. So I had gotten to a point where it was really good masking. I would say that I I definitely chipped away at the symptoms that I was experiencing by holding myself in such gentleness and compassionate inquiry, but eventually got to the point where I needed to invite a deeper, I needed to invite more people to support me. So I then brought on a psychedelic psychiatrist. I brought on a, a someone who works with applied neurology, Elizabeth Kristoff. I speak about her all the time. Applied neurology, which I think we see emotional freedom technique is a technique that exists under the umbrella of applied neurology, but applied neurology is using different, like applying different techniques using the hands in order to stimulate different parts of the nervous system while working with the subconscious and conscious minds that you can rewire the body to respond to different inputs with different outputs. So to respond differently. And for me, that changed the game. I went through these different drills and and the way that it works is that depending on which parts of your nervous system are out of equilibrium, the practitioner that I worked with was able to pinpoint where I needed to recalibrate those nerves using certain drills that were targeting either those narratives or those nerves or whatever it might be, and then create a stack of drills where I would go through and either like tap parts of my body or apply stimuli on my stomach or apply stimuli on my feet in order to get the nervous system to react differently to what I was experiencing. And that, oh my gosh, I mean, it when you're doing it at the beginning, you're like, how could this possibly be changing what's happening in my body and what's happening in my mind, but it fundamental. I would say I, I attribute that with like 70% of my recovery because of how strong it was. And well, you're rewiring. Exactly. You're stopping a pattern. Exactly. Which is what trauma is. But because it's so faint mm-hmm. in the way that you don't really necessarily see that it's changing things. You test for it by, you can, you can, test for things by checking your range of motion, checking your range of motion within your neck, for example, or change it, checking your range of motion within your hips, anywhere where you're experiencing the fight and flight response, where you can notice that your body will organically restrict the range of mobility. Contract. Yeah. So 
it was going through that experience and going through pinpointing and also understanding that that trauma, it fractured me or yeah, I would all say fracture. It created fractures across multiple levels of my being. It wasn't just my body, my nervous system. It was subconscious. It was energetic. And I needed to work at all levels of that. And when I went to go find a practitioner to help me with that, it was mostly me piecing things together because there wasn't anyone out there. There's With this psychedelic renaissance, it's so interesting that we have so many people who are there to serve, who have beautiful intentions and are doing beautiful, beautiful work to serve. But if things go sideways, even if set and setting are correct, like for me, set and setting were correct. I had everything that was supposed to go, like every variable that you looked at was in the green. But everything can go, like you can have, you can be energetically in integrity with the practitioner, energetically in integrity with the medicine. Everything was going right. And I still had an experience where things went awry. So, But life hands you God, life, your soul hands you what you need. And you had this intention, right? So you got it. And Exactly. We we have to ex- we have to acknowledge and accept that as humans because I do that all the time too, you know. I my intention for this year was to get into the most abundant alignment of my life, right? So yeah, everything that's not going to work for me has been fucking crumbling, right? And you know, but it's forced it, I've I've moved, I've dove into my career, I've been aligning these things. I've been looking at my relationships. I've been doing a massive life audit. I've been, you know, saying no and honoring myself and having to find things within my womb that are hurting, you know, but all of these things are bringing me into that life that I want and into that intention. So I think also with plant medicine, there's this viewpoint on it. Like, oh, I'm going to go and this practitioner is great and I love Costa Rica and I'm going to go with a good intention. And it's like those kind of things and experiences only bring to light more what's already within you. They just kind of speed the process up in if you're if you're listening and you're open but it just kind of takes it and it's like okay here's what you know that's why you can have a light experience and a dark experience because what is in you that needs to transmute is going to show itself and it's usually not pretty <laughs> yeah and i i completely agree i think called i call that the medicine awareness of yes this whole idea of uh, you're getting Everything's always ultimately, whether you're in a medicine experience, whether you're in meditation, whether you're just living life, everything's going to unfold exactly the way that it's supposed to. And there is wisdom to be extracted from each experience. However, I do think it's really difficult. And I think this is an important point. I think that's very difficult to, to really touch that and digest that I did get the intention that I desired. And that everything did ultimately unfold in my favor until I was able to reconcile the trauma, the physiological trauma that it created. It's really hard to touch because what what I'm seeing now is that a lot of people who have experienced, because I'm now working with a lot of people who've experienced psychedelic trauma, they're unable to get and really digest that medicine awareness of what of what good or what what wisdom is available for them because they're stuck 
in these loops of their body, their physiology that's trying to keep them safe. So to be able to say everything can go right and things can still go wrong and that's okay. And also here are, when you work at different level, here are the resources available to you so that you can find equilibrium back with the animal, the primal part of you so that when and if it feels energetically correct for you, you can download this medicine awareness of of what this process brought for you. Well, let me ask you this. I think also you've, you've had a lot of trauma before this. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably just activating that, right? Did you feel it, a connection at all between what you – did you have to go into some of that other trauma in order to transmute this? I would say that – in some sense, all all trauma like you, if you have these wounds, there are layers of wounds each time we're experiencing trauma that are going to be witnessed. But I wouldn't say that this necessarily pried open the traumas that I had in the past because I had again ten years of mm. also working with other medicines and other really actively working with multiple healing modalities in order to move myself so that I had downloaded the emotional charge in those traumas and I felt at peace and at ease with those traumas. And I felt I, I felt grateful for how I had been molded by those experiences. I think it was just a new level. It was it was I'd been through levels one through 20. And now I was being invited into a deeper level of myself. How do we reconcile why things happen or don't happen for us? I truly believe everything is always unfolding for us. But I remember at that time, one of my friends asked me this question recently, what if you chose this? And sometimes I'm like, well, who would choose this? This is ridiculous. Like it's wild. But at the end of the day, to be able to, to see that, this was the next chapter that was being written for me. I think what really helped me to get through this was the fact that I had been through reconciling trauma before and that I had helped hundreds of people over the course of this, my seven years to also reconcile their deep contractions, to be able to move from spiritual emergency to spiritual emergence. So to say, ah, oh, this is a wild experience and also, I know this is not my end, but there are there are moments in time where it really did feel like that, where I really did feel like I was brought to my knees, where I was having panic attack after panic attack. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I felt really sad and shameful and guilty. And those were new emotions that I had to deal with is I'm here supposedly supposed to be stewarding this. And a part of me really didn't feel an allowance to be a human being going through this process because I was supposed to be stewarding other people through it. And so to have a lot of compassion and remembrance that I'm still going through my own human experience and to be able to take a step back to fully be with myself in those new layers of this of this new animal that I think was mostly what it allowed me to visit was a true trust in everything unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. A true trust in my body, a true trust that I was going to come out of this. And I truly, I think my belief that I was going to 
move my way out of this, that this was going to be a really awesome chapter of a book someday, that kept me going when it felt really hard. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest, the hardest part. Because when you're in those moments in life, you just feel you don't understand how it could change. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's hard to feel that it could change. Yeah. When but, you're in it, like yeah. how do you get yourself out of the muck when you're yeah. in it? Well, and your perception when you're in the muck is so different, right? When you're not in the muck, you have more inspiration. When you're in the muck, you are literally just trying to survive. So it's very hard to think of how can I create beyond this survival moment? And that, I think for me, when I'm in that that time, was in that time, and I've been in those times, that's the scariest part because it feels so morbid. But then when you yeah. get through it, you you it changes what you believe is possible. We can get ourselves through anything with our human bodies. We really can. And that's, I mean, that's what I'm so passionate about. And I think, you know, I feel the same way to what you were saying about I teach this work and I have that guilt all the time when I'm going through something, but also that we're all growing, you know, and we're all getting new lessons and that helps us be able to serve to the next level because everything, we all go through the same things. I think that something I've noticed is sometimes I can be ahead of things and I go through it and then a year later, everyone's going through it. (laughs) I'm like, wait, I can speak on this, you know? So just being able to hold that perception is helpful. Totally. Traumas, traumas, trauma, like every contraction is, it's all relative. Yeah to what we're experiencing and to be able to uh, that witness consciousness is what we're really speaking about is like when you're in the muck and you're really, you're playing the game hard and it's, and it's feeling difficult. What do you do? What do you do when it feels like you're, when the world is collapsing? And even if you know, like I, at that point I knew, I felt very confident that I was going to resolve this, but I have a, I had a background that was really supporting me. So what if, if you're someone who's experiencing this, who maybe doesn't have the foundational aspects or doesn't have this, this great self-trust, how do you code switch out of that? Oh, that's the how most you, important thing in life. Yeah. I mean, that you really is learn. 80, 90% of what my life is dedicated to is my baseline. Because when you're in the muck like that, right, you're experiencing, truthfully, yes, it was a long time, but for you, it wasn't even a year. I got myself, I went through a fucking move. I got myself to Austin with, you know, panic attacks, right? But it, it, coming out of it, it was six weeks of really intense darkness and panic attacks and all that. If I, but I had a baseline. I knew, like I said, the whole time I'm pulling out my tools, you know, the entire time so that when you come out of it, you're not naked, you know, you're not just what the fuck just happened and what do I have now? It's like, no, I've got my baseline. I have my tools. I have my routines. I have these things that support me and my soul. It's so important. I'm so passionate about having a baseline. (laughs) And it's beautiful to see how you provide your community with all of these different aspects with the baseline that the baseline, sometimes I I think we love the sparkly aspects of doing the work. I think we, we get a huge dopamine rush around 
just subscribing, voting in favor of downloading a new tool, but it's coming back to the simplicity of being you with you, of taking time to move yourself from reactive to proactive to start your day and say, I'm deciding to be the player of this game today. And what do I want to do? How do I want to play it? Instead of allowing life just to arrive at our doorstep and to react to it. And those are the tools that code switch us mm-hmm. into that person, into that person who can, who can make those changes. And it's hot and it, and it requires, I'm not gonna say it's hard because it's not like it, it is hard at the, at the barrier to entry when we have patterns and be- beliefs and behaviors that are saying that it's hard, but when we actually get into it, and we drop ourselves, even if we're fighting ourselves the whole time inside of a meditation, knowing that that's what the meditation was about today, was being with the resistance, was being with the stickiness. That's what the journaling was about today, was feeling like you didn't want to do it. Because sometimes it's going to feel really good. Sometimes it's going to feel really boring. And being in the boredom and still maintaining it so that when you go through those places of great expansion and great contraction, you're able to hold that with this witness, you're able to hold that and allow yourself to integrate it at an even deeper level mm-hmm. foundation that has the space for it. Mm-hmm. I've been ending every journal session in the morning with who do I get to be today? And some days I don't even want to answer it. And those are the days that I'm like, I have to answer that question. What did it, you say for today? It's just so, I mean, I just write down all the ways I'm going to show up today and it it works because if I have a moment where I'm resisting something or I don't want to be that person that I said I wanted to be, I remember, I'm like, no, I get to, I get to be this person today. You know, I get to be creative. I get to be curious. I get to be calm. I get to be graceful. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful to answer that to yourself. And because you can, you get to make a choice. Who do I get to be today? Even if your nervous system is out of whack, even if things are happening to you, you still get to choose who you get to be. 100%. How do you, when your nervous system feels out of whack, say like you were to wake up this morning, and maybe you did, I don't know, but your nervous system was feeling a little out of it. What do you do? Yeah, that was yesterday for me. Um, you know, I, it just depends. Some days I'll try to push through it until I can't. So I'm, I'm kind of at the place where if I'm not really great with my nervous system, sitting down and trying to work is just not the vibe, but I'm a creative. So it's just a waste of time for me. Um, but I just get in my body and that's, I don't sit in it. And that's something that I've really changed recently where I've always gotten in my body, but some days I would let the day have it kind of, you know, and do the bare minimum and then I'd want to go to bed early. And I've not been doing that now. I've been taking a long walk, getting a massage, going to a yoga class. Mm, I don't want to work out because I don't feel good. Going to a workout class, one that actually makes me sweat. Um, and just owning the day versus the day owning me. And look, you know, is it a always a grand slam? No. Am I in a yoga class and halfway through it, I'm like, I really don't want to be here sometimes. But, you know, why I call my stuff body forward is you got to keep yourself in forward motion. And that's how I've been able to do everything I've done in my life is just keeping my body in forward motion. And I swear by it. I really, really swear by it. Just taking actions one foot in front of the other 
and moving forward. And yes, some days it's breath work, but it's just acknowledging that it's happening. And Mm. I call it the brown couch, you know, like we all want to go just sink on the brown couch when we don't feel great, but not doing that and not saying that, oh, you're going to go write a book today and run a marathon. But no, you're not going to sit on the brown couch, but what could put your body in forward motion? Could you go on a walk? Could you do yoga? Could you do breath work? Could you call a friend? What's going to put you in forward motion while also honoring that you don't feel that good right now? Mm, beautiful. So those two parts, right? Yes. The honoring, the allowing and accepting that where you are right now, which I think is like the biggest turnkey here. And then having the antidote of like, I allow and accept and also I am I am going to work with this so that I am putting myself in choice. Yeah. And it's, it's my baseline, right? So those are mm-hmm. things that I love to do as my baseline. So mm. when you don't feel that good, keeping your baseline makes you feel good because then the next day you're still there. You know, I talk, I like to talk about this with diet a lot, but it's like when, you know, you don't feel that good, people will just start sabotaging and eating whatever, right? And you have a week mm. of that and then you're very far from your center. You're far from your body. You know, it's really important to keep those baseline things even when we feel awful while also knowing that sometimes we feel so vulnerable and not good that, yeah, you got to do stuff sometimes to survive. No doubt. You know, you got to do that, but also keep a baseline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So power of baseline here, I feel like is really being proven is like sometimes when the, when you have a foundation, how much it's going to serve you, how your foundation will change as you go through expansions and contractions. And I love how you have, you know, that the idea, like a real manifesto for you of forward motion, of like using the body as the vehicle, something that you feel very strongly about and really expressed in, in order to help you to actualize the person that you know that you are, the core of your being. What does it look like in action for you to be that version of you every day? This episode cut short. The recording stopped about five minutes before we actually ended. I don't know why, so I'm here to close it. You did not miss too much. You just missed where you can find Mary. So now I'm going to do it. Ritualandroutineschool.com is Mary's website. She hosts private sessions. If you are someone who has gone or are going through psychedelic trauma, she also has a private subscription membership that offers breathwork journeys, energy healings, and workshops every single month. She also is the host of retreats. There are dates for the next one on her website, I believe. And then she also has a podcast, the Ritual and Routine Podcast. Everything to find Mary is linked in the show notes. So make sure you dive into her work because as I am sure you have heard, she's an incredible human being. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow along on social media at Kenzie Burke and for all things nutritional healing and body at Body Forward. And if you're looking for versatile clothing that will help you transcend the seasons as undone as it is refined at Shop Brulee. Everything is linked in the show notes and I'll see you on the next episode.